Mic check, mic check. More than a master's podcast. Your host, main of course. Go ahead and drop that. Hold up, Mortar Masters Podcast, your host, main of course, we got a special, special dope guest on the podcast today, I'm very, very, very excited to release this audio file, um, you can actually find more of this episode on YouTube, but before we get to that, we got Latasha and Lewis, don't forget the end, Latasha and Dot Lewis, um, one of the most, I would say, hmm, interesting for one, but definitely one of the Best uh, interviews I've done in a long time. Very, very knowledgeable. You can tell she was very uh, into her craft and is into her craft and just a dope creator. Um, thanks things all the way through. I learned a lot even listening to her. Um, we had some good laughs on the podcast as well. So hopefully you catch those jokes. Um, she had a book. She was writing some stuff down as we was like, I'm doing an interview and she writing stuff. It was just dope, man. It was a dope, dope experience. Um, definitely a dope person to be around. I got inspired just by interviewing her. So I can only imagine what people do when they're around her for that purpose, you know what I'm saying? Um, a creative, you know what I'm saying? Um, just uh, wear so many hats, man. Wear so many hats. I don't want to give too much away in the intro, but listen to the audio, listen to the podcast, listen to the interview. You'll love it. Um, if you go, you want to watch it, if you're a, a visual person, you can definitely watch him on Facebook. That's on uh, More Than The Masters on Facebook, More Than The Masters Podcast. And you can actually listen, look, at it, look at it on YouTube as well. Um, dope artist, man. Dope artist. Um, one of the first guests to bring shirts packaged, like everything was just dope about it. Like if you look at the video, it just, she had, oh my God, I, I, I'm getting excited talking about it, but she got the Augusta brand, got the shirt, she asked the size, she brought the size for the cameraman, um, it had like a little handwritten sign on it, a tag on it, she read it and told me what it meant. The packaging was dope, had peaches on it for the George. It's just like everything was just like meant to be and there for a reason. She even said in the podcast, she does nothing for nothing. Like everything she does, it's a reason for her doing it. Um, I learned a lot. Once again, um, dope episode. Anytime I do an interview and I can learn from it as well. Because as interviewers, sometimes we get so caught up in getting these questions off. We not really listen to what the person's saying. Like I got more questions popped up in my mind as she was talking because of information she was throwing at me. So I, 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 I'll say this. I'm willing to put money on anybody listening to this episode going to learn something from her. I guarantee you that. I'm, I'm putting my money on it. If you don't learn nothing, I'll give you $5 right now. But without further ado, I'm going to get into this episode. And I want you all to just go on Facebook, subscribe to More Than The Masses Facebook page, or you can just go to the YouTube. I don't promote the YouTube as much. I just put it up there to kind of keep video files of people. And, you know, hopefully, you know, they want to use those to send out to their friends or their peers. For people that don't have Facebook or that don't do social media, everybody does YouTube, right? I would assume so. Without further ado, I want to get to the episode, though. More Than Masses podcast, your host, main, of course. Shout out to Latasha and Dot Lewis once again for blessing the podcast, man. I got so many, so many requests of other creators that want to come on just because your interview is so inspiring. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Definitely come back on the podcast anytime you got something going on you want people to know. You're always welcome here. Um, 
Loved your show, loved your episode, loved your energy, and we out. Mortemasters Podcast. Mic check, mic check. All right, Mortal Masters Podcast. I'm your host, Maine, of course. Across from me, I got a special, special creative. I don't say guest this time. I had it in my mind not to say that. I want to start by saying, first <laughs> off, um, she did something only one person has done since they came on the show, and I think I that was Sabo. He gave me um, a shirt and some um, wristbands. Oh, wow. You're the okay. first person that actually has a brand and actually brought something oh, wow. for, for me and my team. You asked for the team, too. Yeah. So me and Slim got a shirt. So shout out to you for that. And I always, and funny thing, I thought you was, I was, I was even going to ask that. It's in my notes to ask if you didn't bring one. I'm like, oh, why didn't you bring a shirt? Just for jokes, whatever. But you did it, so that's dope. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that brand. was like common courtesy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's just smart branding. And I'll and I, I be wondering that because I interview a lot of people that got clothing lines, which you're getting to later on, or that's not clothing lines. I don't know. You'll, you'll, let me, you'll decide that later. But um, and they don't really bring shirts. Or I, I mean, I'll pay for them still. It don't matter. It don't matter. But sometimes I feel like, that's kind of like a good service. Now I'm putting y'all out on the platform and, you know, doing that. Let me see how the shirt is, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, for me, so much, it isn't even, like, a, a strategy per se. It's just, like I said, common courtesy. Like, I'm coming to your place of business. You're giving me an opportunity. I'm going to grace you with something. No, that's what's up. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So for those that don't know you, tell them um, your name and just uh, what you do right now. Okay. Uh, my name is Latasha Lewis, and a lot of people call me Lou. Um, I am a creative, an entrepreneur, um, a business strategist. Um, I do a lot of, I wear a lot lot of hats. hats. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that. I wear a lot of hats, but they all derive from one particular place, and that's just helping people. That's That's what's up. So, I guess I'm going to ask you that first. Now, your name, I noticed that um, the initials is L&L, right? Mm -hmm. And you kind of signed that with everything. Yeah. So, I want to get, like... I, I, and I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I read that you said you started doing that when you were eight years old. Yeah. Like, so, why? I don't even know why. That's a, uh, So I posted that um, because I wanted parents, because I'm a parent, um, and I love being a parent. And, so you're a mom, um, too. I'm a gotcha. mom, yeah. And um, I, I wanted people to understand the importance of when you're raising a child, um, not to kind of like put on them what you think they should be or how you think they should be or what they should become, but just let them evolve and you just kind of curate that. Um, and that's what my parents have always done for me. They've never told me, like, what I should be or what I shouldn't be. Right. Um, they've always just been supportive. Um, and so in doing that, I've always done, like, little things as a kid and they've kept track of those things so that as an adult, when I feel like, you know, I don't necessarily understand why I do this or why I like this or, you know, just trying to figure things out, um, I have those things so that I can kind of reflect back to. And so it was funny because my mom and I were going through um, some of the stuff that I've given her over the years. And I used to always make cards and greeting cards, and that's kind of like a thing that I'm known for doing and and selling. But um, I've done that since I was little. And I didn't know why. I just liked to draw, and I liked to give my mom stuff, and I knew that she was happy when I did it. Um, And when I did it, I signed my name all the time. So so 
I, so let's, let's talk about you know just your upcoming. So like, how was you raised? Was it a two parent home? Like, yeah. what was your upbringing like? So I had both of my parents. Um, and it's funny because a lot of times people think they're like, if you have both of your parents, then your life is perfect. And I'm like, nah, that ain't how that works. Or yeah, or like that, um, that you're not missing something. Like that, all of the gaps are like filled. But I don't necessarily think that's true because parenting is like an experiment. You're learning as you go. Nobody, there's no right or well, they're all wrong. You know, um, no, I'm in the middle of five. In the middle of five. So um, being brought up in my household, my parents are very different, very distinctly different. My dad is extremely logical, analytical, like he is a by-the-book kind of person. Um, and my mom is very creative, um, just like adventurous, explorative. Um, and so growing up in a household like that, I had a certain balance that I think a lot of people don't have is, um, you know, most of the time you meet a creative, they don't know the business side of stuff. You meet a business person, they don't understand creativity. Um, but I had like a, a perfect mesh so that was cool. So, uh, are you from here? Are you originally from here? You no, my parents were both military. So, my mom is from Memphis, Tennessee, North uh, North Memphis. And my dad is from Bradenton, Florida, which is right outside of Sarasota, Tampa area, Central Florida. Um, and so, they both went into the military, and that's how they met each other. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, did you move around a lot as a kid? Um, we moved around quite a bit when I was younger, but then my parents decided that they didn't want us to have, like, that kind of lifestyle. So, um, when they got stationed here to um, Augusta, Fort Gordon, they decided that we were just going to stay here. Um, and so, my dad continued to travel a lot, but, um, but we were pretty stationary. Okay. Yes, yeah, so so, I was born in Lonsdale, Germany. But I know, I know there's also this perception that um, if you are raised in a military family, that's very strict. Oh, that's or true. Or your parents are just mean. <laughs> that's tr- they're not necessarily mean, but there are standards, there are guidelines, there is a way they run their household, and you just you just in it. <laughs> you just got to abide by it. I think anybody I've ever met who has military parents, they have that kind of story. Well, Slim, his mom was in the military. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my story a little different. Yeah, it was different. Well, his mom yeah, cut his braids off. My mom didn't care. She didn't care what I had going on. Yeah. But it, that's, that's what I'm saying, though. It was like a strict kind of household. Oh, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean they're mean, yeah. but it's just like they got, yeah. you know, they got Growing standards. Up, real strict. Like, they I got an order in and a system. Yeah, they got an order in yeah. a system, and you just, and that system and order might be different from parent to parent, but they all got it, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You know, and I, I don't, I guess I don't know too many, I know him, but I, don't, I didn't grow around too many military parents. I just hear stories. Yeah. And, um... It's not always bad. Don't get me wrong. No, you know what I'm saying. But sometimes it shape you and shape how you are in life. Which is probably why you know you seem like a very firm person, uh, especially when it comes to your business practices and stuff. I've seen. So you probably got that from them, even though you're not in the military. No. But you probably picked it up from them being around military. Yeah. People. Like uh, my, I'll give you an example. So like I remember growing up, always seeing my dad like sitting at the table at the end of the night, like going through like bills and stuff. He would organize stuff. I see him with a notebook writing things down and keeping a calendar. And I took that same like I never sat down and had a conversation with him like, Dad, what are you doing? Why are you doing yeah. this? But I see myself doing that same kind of thing when I sit down when I do business stuff or I do stuff for my personal life. Like it's just. It just does get embedded in you. You, so, you do what you see. Would you say that like you got like your create the creative side just from seeing the effect that it had on your parents, or you just kind of wanted to do it? Kind of you said you gave it up to your mom and stuff yeah, like that. So my mom, okay, so my mom is a special being, right? Um, and I know that everybody feels like that way about their mom, but yeah, everybody got the best um, mom. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, the best. everybody feels that way about their mom, but my mom was no, my mom is really special, and anybody who's ever met my mom will tell you that she is. Um, so I can remember growing up. Saturday mornings, my um, there were periods in, in time where my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom, but then sometimes she would go back to work, um, just kind of depending on what was going on in the family, when my dad was traveling and stuff like that. And so um, at one period of time when she was a stay-at-home mom, 
um, she used to, we used to do like fun activities all through the week and stuff like that. But then I remember her going back to work. And so what she would do to make sure she still kept that with us is on Saturday mornings, we would wake up and she would have transformed the house into whatever. So like, I'm, I'm literally serious. Like we would wake up and it would be like camping grounds. And she would have made like tents with like sheets oh, and stuff and like the living room. So we camping out all day. We like doing some wars with the fireplace. Um, or she might turn the house into like a restaurant and we wake up in the morning. <laughs> she's like made paper money. She's teaching us how to count the money and stuff. We're making food and all these types of things. Like she always did that kind of stuff with us. And that's fine. That's a, I think I might do that now. That's a good idea. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Like, it's, just, it's fun. It's like she would turn it into a restaurant. She would teach us how to, and we, didn't, we didn't realize she was teaching us these things, but like teaching us how to cook, teaching us how to wash dishes and stuff. But we're just thinking we're playing, you know? Um, so it was cool. It was really cool. But she's always been that way. Just super creative, can turn anything into anything. Well, when, when did you uh, finally come to Augusta then? Um, we came to Augusta when I was, I probably, it was 1990, I think. I'm not sure. I was smaller though. I was younger. Um, the, um, the thing about us though is that how we grew up, we don't, we connect to Augusta in a special way because it's the closest thing we have to like home, even though our parents aren't from here. Um, but we were pretty much raised here. Um, but we spent a lot of time going back to my parents' hometowns and stuff too. Okay. So like when my parents had to travel for work and things like that, um, we would go spend time in Memphis. We would go and spend time in Florida. So that's part of who we are as well too. How was Memphis? I've never been there before. How was that? North Memphis is interesting. I ain't going to talk about, like, that's like my city, too. <laughs> and I ain't going to talk bad about it because we see enough of that on the news. But um, North Memphis is a special place. It's, it's one of those places very much like Augusta where it was affected hugely by, you know, segregation and, you know, all of these types of things. And it's yeah. still very much embedded in the culture. Um, and it just makes being a black individual in those communities very limiting. But then like then some like some black leaders die in Memphis. Yeah, uh, so Martin Luther King was got, killed. Yeah, okay. He was killed in North Memphis um at Lorraine Hotel. You have um, been there? Lorraine yeah, Hotel? I have. I, uh, been there. It's a museum now. They transformed it into a museum. Um but you can go there and you can actually stand at the site where he passed away and you can look across the street and see the building where um the shooter was. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. What's that like? Like how yeah, we have video um I don't know if anybody has ever been to that spot before, but when you get there, so like inside the museum is beautiful. It's cool. It's a civil rights uh, museum. And so you go through all these different phases of it or whatever. But when you get to that site and you see like they have the, um, the hotel room still set up with like his coffee and like the newspaper he was reading and like everything that was in that room that day, um, you get there and you just, it, it does something with your spirit. Yeah. Like you, you just feel a sense of like, this is important. Like something, something was lost here. Like, that's kind of how the feeling that you get. And it's it's really crazy because directly across, diagonally diagonally from where he was killed, um, that was where an old auction block used to be. Um, and for years, I don't know if it's still standing there now, but for years they had it um, gated off and they would never get rid of it. But, you know, the auction blocks is where they would take the slaves, sit the slaves up there on the auction block and just, you know, sell them. Um, but that's literally across the street. From say, that sounds very Southern, yeah, civil rights it's, racist. It's, it's real. And that's that's what North Memphis is. So it's just like, you know, you get a lot of people who grow up in those environments and you just feel like you can't do anything more than what you've already seen. Right. Um, and you very rarely you get those people who they overcome that um, by whatever means necessary and they get out of that environment. But it's, it's kind of slim. Um, and that's unfortunate. And I think Augusta, in a lot of ways, is a lot like that. 
Um, now thinking of Augusta. So, what school did you go to down here? Like, what do you know? Like, so I went you... to Davidson. I figured yeah. that. I don't know why. You can always, you can, you can always you spot it. I was gonna get something the for that. <laughs> you can always no, spot no, a Davidson. Number one school in Georgia. Georgia. You think so? Yeah, it was, yeah, definitely for years. For when years, you were there, though. When I was there. Oh, um, okay. Now I, I haven't really kept up with it as much um, where they rank, um, but I know they still do rank. Um, what made you go there? Uh, because it was an outlet. Um, I think oh, it was your choice. Yeah, yeah, it okay. was choice. It was choice. Um, when I found out about Davidson, um, I was in the fifth grade, and um, I just the people that I knew who went there, they had like a liberation. They were able to do things outside of you know their comfort zone to try new things, be exposed to new things. And I was just excited. I'm adventurous. I want to try things. Like even if it's nothing, I stick out. I, I want to try it. Just how, to, how to your do dad it. felt about that. Um, he, he, didn't, he didn't want to play sports? Your daddy went to play sports? So I did play sports for a while. So my dad is a basketball house. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, know. Uh, and yeah, because you know my brother. So <laughs> it's like my my um, my dad played basketball. He played in high school. He played for Georgia State for a bit. Okay. Um, and so that was like, I was, I grew up with basketball. My dad was a part of the 100 Black Men of Augusta. We went to like all the Thanksgiving tournaments, all that kind of stuff. Oh, Peach wow. Jam. He was part of that? Yeah, he was a part of um, starting the funny. I've been to that tournament time and time and time and I never actually found someone who was a part of it. That's crazy. That's yeah. So um, my, my father and my uncle um dj uh d d pierce um him um uh it's a couple of them um clint bryant like a, a lot of them work together um coach corals all of them they yeah, were like Coral, working yeah. together to put those things out into the city but like growing up in the household like you you didn't have to play a sport but it was just like you wanted to because you knew that was your time with my what dad what sport you played um basketball i played oh, basketball play? and i love volleyball yeah oh, okay, okay. yeah you think you nice or Oh, no, I'm nice. I got a shot. You got a jump so shot? Anybody who's seen me play, because what they, so even though I went to Davidson, they would have like what they call intramurals. So you got to play. You just didn't play, you know. For uh, the school. For the school, per se. But we would have a, um, an annual game where we would play Johnson. But so how do like you feel about year, that, though? Do you feel like they should have a team at this point by now? Uh, They don't have a basketball team, but they do have sports now. So they got like swimming, tennis, golf, um. Uh, a couple other things. But too. I, I just, I mean, like I said, I like, I like Davidson with the offers. I just feel like, you know, sometimes um, it's a kid that at that point got to make a decision whether he want to yeah. do that or he want to play basketball. Well, I think this is the thing, and I, a lot of people will agree, or maybe they w- might disagree, but um, I think that the way Davidson positions you, um, it's very difficult to maintain a lot of extracurricular activities. Um, so it is good for you to have to make a decision at some point, um, just so you can learn how to focus mm. in on something. Um, I think that it, there were a lot of guys that I know who went there, um, and, you know, excelled academically, but missed the sport element. And so they went off to other schools by the time they transitioned from middle to high school right? so that they can go and play. Um, I'll give you an example, like, uh, Garrett powerhouse who went uh went off and played you know in the nba he started off at davidson oh yeah yeah uh he started off at davidson we were really good friends and then he left uh, silas uh, mm-hmm. okay yeah. yeah yeah big uh, man played for the yeah. phoenix Suns. yeah he State, um yeah. he started off at davidson um but then they saw that there was an opportunity there for him so he transitioned i think he went to richmond and, and that, i'm not gonna lie that's a, that's a di- that's kind of different he was his size is like come yeah, on yeah but play. but that's but you don't like there was a lot of guys who came through Davidson who were like that who could have ah. easily left Davidson and went and played sports and you know like been you know top I definitely like something should consider though but I get but, you saying though but I think it's just you have to learn how to focus and I think that um 
even though sports does teach you a lot of things about you interpersonally, I just think that what their their goals and what their objectives are, it doesn't necessarily align. But you do have the opportunity to go and play rec and all that kind of stuff. With girls, it's a little bit different, though, because a lot of the girls that I know who went through Davidson who want to play myself, my sister, a couple other girls I know, um, we played rec ball, but then if you're a, you know, if you're a, fe- a female at certain point, there comes a time where rec kind of ends for you because right, other right, girls right. are either they're transitioning and playing for the high school or they're not playing at all. Right. Um, so it's just one of those things. Yeah, and I also feel like too, like with that curriculum they got, it may take away from it because you know when sports is involved and there's a lot of politics come with that as well yeah. too. So yeah, you look at somebody is. like Laney, there's a lot of politics there in other schools. So it's like you got you're dealing with more, it might take away from something else that they're trying to offer. So yeah. it makes sense, but I mean, and the only reason about. that I really made the decision, like uh, sports versus whatever, is because I, at the time I was in orchestra, I was playing the violin, okay. and my mom was really concerned about if you get hurt, something happens to you, you know, your hands or your arm, like something like so that. You want me what, to what? What don't you do then? I mean, I mean, I mean, <laughs> question. What don't I do? Yeah, because you play. Uh, so you 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 musician. Yeah. Your mom. Yeah. Business entrepreneur. Brand. It's just like it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. But, I mean, I think when you know who you are, it doesn't feel like a lot. Because you just contribute who you are to whatever the thing is. That's crazy. That's a lot, though. It's not. <laughs> I'm just I'm just me, and I'm just put in a different environment. Like, the same way I am as a mom is the same way I handle business. Is the same way I handle, like, being a musician. Like, it's just it's just who I am, and I just apply myself to that particular thing. With so many things going on, how you how you decide, like, what, what you're going to put your energy to into that time? I'm assuming you can't do it all in one time in one day so like even some some things you might bring out you might stop for a minute or, or pull back for a minute and do something else like how you decide what you do when you're going to do that yeah okay so like i'm a very i i i know when i'm pa- like i'm really passionate and i'm motivated to do a thing and i know when that feeling starts to like leave or diminish it's time for me to step away from that and I don't have a problem with stepping away from stuff. Right, right. Um, but I think that the thing that benefits me is that I, even if I step away from something, I've learned and mastered it to a point where I can take whatever I learned and apply it to something else. So it's never a loss for me. And that's how I look at things. I have always looked at things kind of like in a scientific method where it's like an always experiment. And gotcha. it's like I'll, I'll take what I can from this thing and then I move on to the next thing. Um so, I don't know. But the finding the balance, I mean, I'm not going to lie and act like I perfected that because I still struggle with that. But um, I think everybody struggles with that. But it's just like, I, I do know when the time is up. Yeah. So, um, creative director. How does one get creative in Augusta, Georgia? How does one? You create your own opportunities. You don't wait on people to do stuff for you. Um, <laughs> I'm the same way. The same way. Yeah, uh, you just you just don't. I've never been that kind of person. I never will be that kind of person. If I want to do something, I'm gonna do it. Um, that's like my whole being is doing mentality. Um, I, I always quote that all the time, and it's just like, in order to be something, you have to do something. Who's holding you back from doing anything? Okay, hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Now because now nah, because sometimes like we get guests like even like Libra, we get guests and like they answer questions too well. So like, I got. I got the being is doing. I was gonna have a second where I just asked about all your hashtags, but yeah. she just put it in like like because <laughs> like, that's who I am. It ain't like me. It's just being is doing like so, point blank period. All right, I, all right. I'm gonna take that one out later. Okay, we good, we good, we good, we still good, we good. Um, <laughs> now I wasn't expecting that. It's just funny. Like she just came out, came out and did that. That's what's up. Um, so how do you direct creativity though? Like how did, how does one do that? Um, so I think that when you learn your skill set. Um, and you really honor and respect it, you can apply it to any any particular craft. So 
um, kind of how I've become a creative director is that people people know me for the details. Like mm-hmm. there is a certain amount of 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 level of um, um, care that I give details, and I I love quality. So um, that can be applied to anything. And so people typically when I get into a creative director role is people coming to me saying, "Hey, I have this thing, and I want to apply that to it." Um, and so it's just, you know, pulling on different things. I have different skill sets. Um, I illustrate, um, I write, um, you know, different skill sets. Yeah, because I think one time I was going to produce a, um, a Mo show, and I remember y'all had a meeting, you know, and I guess that's probably what it was. She has an idea. You kind of just tell her yeah, this, that, yeah. and third. And I think that's like that's dope, too, um, that you even, that, that we have somebody that you can go to. Yeah. I don't know how many people actually utilize it, but. Actually, quite a bit. I have people come to me all the time, and it's like, you know, I have an idea. Can you help me with this? And I think the reason people do that is they see that I have ideas all the time, and I, I know how to bring them to fruition. And um, I think after you do that a couple of times, people realize, okay, she knows how to get stuff done. Like, let me go to her and ask her, you know, how do I do this? And, you know, I'm more than willing to help. And I think. That makes a difference, too, is that sometimes you may have people who have that skill set, that ability to see a thing in its, like, smallest state and right. be able to bring it to fruition, but maybe they're not willing to share information. Um, and I think that's a difference with me. I think people realize that she's going to tell you what it is, and she's going to help you as much as she can. Well, so me and Slim, we have that kind of, um, not same, I won't say issue, but we kind of run into that a lot with podcasting. You know, people will hit you up and ask you questions question about podcasting or whatever. Yeah. And um, you you really you notice quickly that they don't have they they want to do it but they don't have no plan for it they just think that you sit in front of a mic and you you just talk I don't know I see I eliminate a lot of that like that doesn't happen with me just because I have a process for everything and this is where that, that military stuff comes right, from. right, right. <laughs> I got a process I got a process for everything so you come to me with an idea I'm gonna sing you through proper channels before we even have a conversation because. I believe time is valuable, right? My time, as, as well as yours. And so if you're not at a certain place, we're going to find that out. Um, so most of the time what happens is somebody comes to me. I actually had someone come to me yesterday. They sent me a question about something. I said, okay, this is a type of you know issue where you become a client for me. So let me send you this questionnaire. You fill this out. I'll do my due diligence, review it, see if you're a perfect fit. If you are and I feel like it's something that I can help you execute on, then I'll take it on. If not, then I'll direct you to someone else. That's, and so that, that, that's real firm. That's, well, I mean, but that I like protects that. I like my that. energy, right? Because if, if I just open myself up to people just constantly dropping stuff off into me, it would one be hectic and I would never be able to stop my processing of my brain right and then two it might spill over into things that I'm working on and might you know taint something and not keep it in its purest form because it's been influenced by something else so, so I just have to protect that. The good thing with that is Slim. So now we know get questionnaires. I'm gonna start sending questionnaires. Yeah, out like, hey, and you, you just ask. I mean? You just ask the basic things, right? You you collect their information about who they are as an individual, and then you ask them things about their project, right? And if they can't answer questions, then you ain't ready for me. That's that. You're like not that. ready to like have that. a conversation. I like that. Um, but if you can't answer these questions, and it's something that I'm interested in, and it's something that I can learn from, then yeah, I'll help you. I just found that like, I get a lot of, I get a friend request like I got one today, and he's like, "Yo, what's up?" And I already know it's about pocket. I could just tell. Yeah. You know, I, I already know. And that's the thing, too. You'll decide, you'll weed out the people that are really serious about it because they'll take the time to do the questionnaire. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've sent out a questionnaire and people never even fill it out or return it. But that protects me. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, your, your time, time is valuable. Right. There's so many things that you want to get done. You got to have some of those filters there to, to filter those types of people out. Can't help everybody. You going to say something, Slim? Yeah, as soon as people start uh, asking me, about podcasting, or I think they about to ask me. 
I already got a video on YouTube called How to Start a Podcast. And that's how you do it. And then you you do that too. You direct them to that. And one of the things people, I don't think people realize is that all of us have something valuable that we really know how to do, that people want to learn how to do. But if you set yourself up like that and, and those types of things, like questionnaires and videos and stuff like that, where the knowledge is accessible, you become a thought leader in that, yeah. right? And so then more people will come to you asking about that. But then there's time to, you can flip that and make money from it. Like, <laughs> you got to know how to flip that. I thought about that. that before because when I first started my first business, I had to clean the business. I had a lot of people coming up to me asking me, how to get a business license. Yeah. And they thought it was like a $500 or $1,000 thing. Yeah. And I was like, I should be a business consultant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, once you've done a thing and you've really learned and invested your energy and time in that thing, all of that time and energy you invested to get that knowledge and information, it becomes valuable to the point where you can charge a person for it. There's someone out there willing to buy. I can't tell you how many times. I've, a lot of the brands I launch are experiments. It's just I've always kept that same theory, and it's like I just throw things out there to to understand the people that are attracted to the things that I do, um, but also to to figure out you know okay how valuable is this thing, how how do I perceive it to be valuable, and then how do other people perceive it to be valuable? Like you can always do that. I want to ask about this real quick. I, I'm gonna just skip some right on receipt because you mentioned that you know yeah. like you just, just experiment. Was that an experiment? That was an experiment. But that was good though. I think people people really like. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it back. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it back. So what? Okay, if you don't know what read on receipt was, is read on receipt was like my experiment to figure out. Um, you know, well, first it was from a pain point in my own life. Right? I was gonna say that it seemed very, I... very. It seemed very, <laughs> very, very direct. I was like, damn. It's a pain point in this? my life. Like. Um, I'm doing that dating thing, right? And, you know, it's really hard. People are always making memes and all this kind of stuff, talking about how it's hard to date as a millennial because of technology um, and how people just want to sit up and text you. They don't want to make a phone call. They don't want to really get out and, like, engage and have actual experiences with each other. And so from, you know, uh, I think, what, I've been single since 2015. So, like, from that time period, I've just been tracking different conversations that I've had with people um, and just kind of like like looking at that dissecting it trying to figure out like what did they really mean when they said this did I perceive that correctly like or was it me just taking the text message and like digging too deep or like not like and just I, and love, so, I love women man but it was interesting because but it, because we all like think about things so differently right like somebody could send you a set of emojis and you think it means one thing but they think it means something totally different and I think I wanted to shed light on that and show people that like how you perceive stuff might not necessarily be what that person intended right right, right? and you can change the whole course of a relationship just by misinterpreting something that was sent to you. And that's why I hate test messages. It, it messed your whole and that, day And up. that's why I do too. And so I wanted I wanted to express that to some people. And um, some people ask me, like, why did you name it Read on Receipts? And it's it's funny because, like, if you have iPhone and you're talking to somebody on iPhone, you know um, if they have it, those settings on when they've read the message, right? Right. And so it's like sometimes we feel like as soon as I send the message, if I know you've read it, I should be getting a response. That's me. I'm, 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 that's me. If I, if I see you 2.38, right. and you ain't send that to 3 o'clock, <laughs> I'm pissed. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, so like, it's it's like you expect, like, it's like, it's some kind of gratification you get yeah. out of, like, you dropped everything you were doing to reply back to my message, and I'm like, yo, that's a whole mentality in itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just that, just kind of dealing with digital communication, how difficult it is, and just giving people opportunity to see that it's not just you struggling with this. Like, we all trying to figure this out. Right. I thought, like I said, I thought it was dope. And then, honestly, like that, I don't know how many you put out, but I know the first one you put out, like, it was, getting, it was just getting shit left and right. And everybody, it must have been like something everybody was going through or could relate to, too. So it's, 
Um, I thought it was dope. It was just funny to me. It was yeah, I'm going to bring it back. I got to just figure out a way to do it so that it doesn't take so much time. Because yeah. um, I was doing motion graphics. So literally what you do is you put, um, you you build up a body of graphics in like Illustrator, then you transfer them over right. to a, a different format and you kind of like create GIFs and stuff like that. And so it was just taking That's so much time. Um, but I think I've got a way to do it so that it doesn't take as much time, and so I'm going to bring it back once I can. Would, would you? I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad I asked that first. So, with you being a creative director, like, do you ever feel like since you're one, you shouldn't reach out to other creatives? Like, you, I'm not going. I'm just finding my own. I'm not going to reach out to nobody. So, because that, I, that, I, can, that, that I feel like you could have reached out to somebody with yeah. that one. Well, so a lot of it is that I am the type of person when I get an idea, I got to move on it. Right? Yeah, right there and there. And I got to move on it. In some kind of way, I got to make some strides so that I know what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Because otherwise, it's just going to be something that goes to the back burner so that I can work on other things. And I, I always want to spend my time in a way that is it's maximizing. It's getting the most out of it. So if I feel like I ain't getting the most out of my time spent in this, then I need to transition to something else. And so um, a lot of times when it comes to working with people, I think sometimes people don't have that same sense of yeah, uh, yeah. urgency or priority. Um, and so things can get lost. And I think too, it's like everything that I come up with, even though it's an experiment, it's still my baby because it's a part of who I am. And it's just like, you ain't going to give your baby to everybody to do stuff with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But then when you build up a, a rapport and a relationship with people and you can trust that they will handle things with care, then it's like, okay, you can babysit for a little bit. But I just haven't <laughs> met those people and in every capacity, specifically in that one. Yeah. Where it's just like, I feel comfortable giving you this. Can you do something with it? And I think, too, one of the things about me is that when I start a project, best believe that I have an end goal for it. I don't ever do anything without knowing why I'm doing this thing. So with Read on Receipts, the goal for me is that I want to have some kind of contract, some kind of deal with a Netflix or, you know, a HBO or something like that where I can start a series. Right, right. right. I want a series. That's what I want from that. But that's not like it. And reading it and watching it, I felt like it could have been one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, and that's how, like, when I start things, I kind of, like, I see what my end goal is. I reverse engineer back and say, okay, what steps can I take today to get to that goal? And so it was just, like, once I realized it was taking so much time, too much time, it, and it didn't make sense, then I was like, okay, I got to put a pause on this, figure out some things, and then I can start it again. Right, right, right. So, what, what, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, I know, I, I, I thought I know your answer already. What are, what are you going to rate your creativity? Level? On a scale of, of 1, one to, to 10. 10 to How being do the I best. My creativity level? Yeah. Oh, God. That's an interesting question. That's a very inter- interesting question. Because I'm like the most humble person ever. Oh, boy. <laughs> and even in saying that, you don't sound humble when you I say know, you're right? humble. You're about to say 10. You're about to say 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, honestly, you know what? I want to answer your question because you asked it. You know what I mean? But then I don't want to answer it because I can come off like a jerk. Or I could just come off like I'm just being, like I'm just, or I'm lying, right? Because if I rate myself low, then it comes off as like, oh, she's just being too modest. But then if I rate myself high, it's like, oh, she's a jerk. She's a. Nah, show them the sweatshirt. That's a good sweatshirt. That's a dope sweatshirt you got. That's a 10 right there. That's a 10? Um, Okay, so I think. People don't make sweatshirts. When else I seen a sweatshirt? Like from local, you know, from nobody. Sweatshirts cost a lot, though. I do. But then, but see, it's. Creative, man. People's perception of stuff, too, can keep them from doing the thing. All the time, and that not, might not necessarily be the case. So, um, in terms of rating myself, though, I'm a, you know what, I'm gonna be bold, and I'm gonna say I'm eleven. Mm, I like that. That's dope. I like that. And the only reason I'm doing that is because 
Um, I, I think that in my creativity, I'm, I'm never being anybody else. I'm only being myself. And I think that, um, I think that it's just who God designed me to be as part of my, like, it's just my identity. Like, and I'm really firm in my identity. So I'm going to give myself an 11. So I'm gonna ask you about that now. Matter of fact, too, you got this sweater on. So where did that come about, Augusta? Okay, Augusta. So if you look at your gift, there's a hang tag on the the t-shirt, um, and that kind of gives you the best summary that I can possibly give. I spent a bit of time writing that um, out, but um, basically what it says is that um, you know, Augusta. You want me to read it? Oh, oh you, yeah, you can read it actually. I so think that something would be helpful. for us. Read that. Read from there. Uh, do you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, something for us. You don't need this T-shirt. You want this T-shirt. And in a southern, small town-ish type of city that doesn't always love you back, the desire to wear her name across your chest can certainly be questioned with validity. Read the whole thing? Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> None... brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said you want me to read it because I'm comfortable okay, with my words. Here, yeah, I read yeah, it. you read like okay. Roy from the Joe Budden All right, here you go. You don't, need, <laughs> you don't need this shirt. Um, you want this shirt. And in a southern, small townish type of city that doesn't always love you back, the desire to wear her name across your chest can be certainly be questioned with validity. Nonetheless, my hope is that the quality justifies the price and the concept to create something handcrafted by us and for us in Augusta starts a conversation that begins to reshape the way we see and speak of our community. She can only evolve and grow as much as the people who call her home and there are more than enough of us willing to make the change we've always wanted to see. She is more than the masters and e- hey. and even James Brown. She <laughs> is a, a home to history, heritage, creativity, and influence. No one is coming to save her. We are already here. It's you and I together, us. And so that came from hey, on, looking at her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there. Right. I got the gray and black. Look, you can even see it really stitched. You know, it's not like something yeah. cheap. No disrespect nobody. Really <laughs> thing in there. The hang even got. Come on now, like, look at this. This is nobody doing this. And then I want to show them this. Like the peak. Like come on, man. Like the back. Nobody doing this. Bro, look at this. Seems like Christmas. No, but um, that came from like growing up in Augusta City. Like one of the things is that kind of like how I explained. Where um, I'm not from Augusta, but I was implanted here. I was I was um imported here. If you will. And so being imported here, growing up, just hearing how people speak of the city is just like, to me, it infuriates me. Like, I don't see why people aren't passionate and upset about. Like, sometimes when you hear certain things, it's just like, you know, um, I'll give you an example. So I moved away. I was gone for 10 years after I graduated from high school and I moved back last year. And when I was preparing to move back, I reached out to a couple of people and was like, you know, I'm coming back home. I'm going to move back home. And they were like, why? You know, <laughs> what, what would you come back for? And I'm like, why wouldn't I come back? And then I kind of sat with that for a minute and I was just like, you know, why would someone feel like me coming back was me losing something? Yeah. And like, and then what does that say about you if you're still living there? And you don't want me to come back. Like, what do you really think about your city, the place that you live, the place you call home? And then for a lot of people, it's the place that raised you. That You know, all of your family are here. So it's just like, it was frustrating to me. And so coming back in that time period, I came back home right before the Masters. And so my dad is a huge golf fan. And he was, you know, going to the Masters and stuff. He was like, do you want me to get you something, bring it back? And I was like, no, you know what? I don't really want anything this year. Because usually I get like a hat or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't really want that. I don't want to keep... Um, 
And so this is going to sound crazy. So uh, the people who own the masses don't come for me. Okay. <laughs> I know y'all got lots of money. <laughs> but um, but this city is more than that. It really is. And I, so that's why I love the name of this, this podcast is because this city is more than the masses. And if you really think about how the masses kind of operates and functions, you're I think you would turn kind of a side eye yep. to supporting any of the things that come from it. And the reason why I say that is because think about, you know, who are invited to those events and how they're invited. You know, people of color are invited, but how? Yeah. To work it, right? Yep. Not not as a guest. You're, you're there to work. Um, I think so much money comes into this city during that time period. Who sees that money? What community see that money? South Augusta surely doesn't see it. Now I go roll. And that's, that's, so it's just like, you know, it's, I think it's one of those things that's very strategic. Uh, the city has built like a whole kind of influence and, and identity from that particular event. But I just think that it's, the city is just much more than that. And so when, you know, when I started to think about that, when he asked me that question, I told him, no, I was like, you know what? I want, I'm going to make something for myself. Mm. And so I started playing around with Augusta and that, and I was like, well, putting Augusta just, you know, as it's spelled across the t-shirt, it just doesn't mean much. And then when I l- really started to dissect the letters, I caught the us in the center of it. And I had never really paid attention to that before. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I want to make something for us in, in the Augusta area. And so that's where that kind of came from. And then it was like, you know, we don't say Augusta, Augusta. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Augusta. And so I was like, well, I got to switch that up a bit. That's that, that's that, that's that number 11 creativity coming yeah. out. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's kind of where that came from. And what, how long you been doing that, though? How long you been? Mm, it started Mar- March, April-ish of last year. Oh, okay, okay. It's, it, 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 it happened. I would have thought it And, you know, the funny thing is I made that sw- I made the first sweatshirt for myself just because I wanted something. I didn't want to buy or my dad to go out and buy me something from the master. So I was like, let me just make me a sweatshirt or whatever. And so I wore that. I was sitting in Starbucks. I go to Starbucks probably like once or twice a week just to get out of the house to do work. And I was sitting in Starbucks and a lady came up to me and she was like, I really love your sweatshirt. Where can I get one? And I was like, well, I made this and it's the only one. Um, but I'm going to get back to you in a second. So I came, I sat down, I ran some numbers, and I was like, okay, I need to do X, Y, and Z, but let me let me post this somewhere else so I can see, you know, what the response is. And so I posted it on Facebook, a picture of me sitting in Starbucks with this sweatshirt on, and it just, ooh. And I was like, yep, this is something I got to do. I like that. Um, me but too. I think, me too. I think what people should understand about that, if you want to learn anything from that whole situation, is that um, if you have a pain point and you create something around fixing that or contributing to a solution for that thing, I guarantee you there are tons of people sitting around you who have that same pain point. Mm. Yep. And it was just, it was literally just identifying an issue and finding people who had that same issue. And it was like, okay, here's your opportunity to wear a gust across your shirt and take responsibility and have conversations where you hold people accountable. Um, part of that too is like, you know, when you hear people say stuff bad about a gust, you correct them. Right, you don't just let it just let it fly. To. You're supposed to correct them, um, and so that's why I wanted it to start conversations. And I Little think Wayne. I think a lot of people have seen. <laughs> I just saw that. You did. I, did. I was I, watching it yesterday, and I, I was like, "Lil Wayne don't know nothing about Georgia." He Lil don't. Wayne was like, "I went to the Masters, and um, you know, I don't know where it's at. It's in one of them cities." Yeah, somebody in the background had to tell yeah. him like, "It's because Nori didn't either." Nori was like, "What is it, Savannah?" Yeah, and he's like, "No, it's Augusta." 
That was um, Mac Main. Mac Main said Augusta. Yeah, and it was I just, just like, seen on Facebook. Somebody said he shot at Augusta. I guess they must have no, didn't, didn't really hear it. He didn't he, know what he Augusta was. About the masters. He was talking about the Masters specifically because he was saying that the Masters for a celebrity is an opportunity for you to get away from all of the things you deal with as a celebrity, like people coming up to you asking questions, wanting to take pictures, all this kind of stuff. Because you have to be quiet at the Masters. Yeah. Um, and so he was like, people could see him, and you know they could wave or whatever. But he got for himself an opportunity, you know, to just be a normal person. And not oh, have okay. to deal with all the extra stuff, yeah. which you know, which is it's cool that he had that experience. Um, but he, I just he think that catch himself. <laughs> yeah, like I it, that. you know, that and it's Come funny on. because too, yeah, like and you know, but the thing I think that was most frustrating from that is that not necessarily that he didn't remember it was Augusta, but if you know Lil Wayne's career. In the very early stages when he was a teenager, where was he coming and performing and people were receiving him? Yeah. He was coming here. Remember when they used to have those, um, what was it, the Power Fest and all of that yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, He was yeah. coming here. And we were the ones who was like the smaller cities in Georgia and outskirts of Atlanta was the ones who were supporting him. him so it's just funny, like how you just forget, yeah. you know what I mean? Forget a city that you was coming to every other summer. So, I don't know, that's interesting. Um, What's your favorite the power you got what's your favorite is it the sweatshirt is it the shirts is it the hats the is sweatshirt it? the gray and black one is the one that started it all I think that's my favorite yeah. and it, I know like I remember you were saying that y'all was going to do a different season and you know and you couldn't buy the I guess you can buy summer stuff in the winter time yeah so how I do it is that when I released the sweatshirts I did it where and, and this is that fear of missing out thing just capitalizing off of psychology um, and just understanding certain things. And this, uh, this is what I mean by, like, if you understand certain things, you can apply it to everything. So, like, just understanding psychology and fear of missing out and how that all works um, as a strategy, it was like, okay, I'm going to only make 50 of these sweatshirts and sell them. And if you get it, you get it. You don't, you don't. Um, and so when I did that, um, it created its own kind of buzz and sweatshirts sold out. Um, I think before that, I don't think people here who are making stuff realize you could do that here. I think, and that was one of the things that I wanted to change as well is the perception of like what a consumer is in Augusta. Because there's people who have money to spend. Disposable right. income that they're ready to spend, but you got to make something that they want, right? And so it was like, I wanted to show people that Augusta does support its own. Um, and they are willing to invest in your ideas and your what it is you're making and all that kind of stuff. But you got to have a great presentation um, and make them feel like it's something worth having. And so um, so when I did that, it was just like, you know, I put that out there and then I was like, OK, those 50 sold. And people kept they hit me up. I mean, people ridiculous. I can show you my DMs. It was ridiculous. People <laughs> willing. The sweatshirt was fifty five dollars. There were people who were willing to pay me like a hundred people. A guy even hit me up and was like, I'll pay. 250 for the sweatshirt but i had already said i was only making 50 um and, and so said, i turned you, you them down operate on the, i said what i said i basis. said what i said basis so it's like if i told you something i have to honor that and it's not because i want you to feel a type of way it's because one i believe in loyalty and and first set of loyalty is to myself to the words that come out of my mouth because that's the most powerful thing that i have so if i can't honor my own words like I don't expect you to trust me for nothing. And that was the, what that was about. It was like, 
building, uh, uh, taking an opportunity to build trust with the city, right? Because I had moved away for 10 years. I was just coming back. Some people d- didn't know who I was selling these stories. Some people still don't know it was me yeah, who was yeah. behind the brand. I think at first you had like a, low, you had like a, a, a cartoon or I don't know, something. Yeah, just a cartoon picture. image of yeah. me. So, yeah, so a lot of people didn't even know it was me. And that that was part of the point, too, is that you, you can make a thing and people don't even know. It's not about popularity. It was never about that. And it was funny because uh, I did the... Uh, magazine shoot for VPN with Carlton Clay. Yeah. And when I was at that shoot, people were like, oh, it's you who make those? I didn't know that. And it was <laughs> funny. It was like, you know, you. it wasn't, and I think one of them said to me, it was Doris who said it to me, Doris Stewart. He was like, um, you know, the coolest thing I saw about your brand and how it kind of like blew up is that um, you didn't put it on the most popular people of Augusta, right? Or people who known for fashion or like that kind of thing. You just put it out there. And people received it well because it was like you saw the everyday person in it. It was just a matter of if you could move first enough to buy it. Right, right. right. And it wasn't about like, you know, putting it in your hands because you're cool and everybody will see you in it and And crave this. It It, it had nothing to do with that. That Um, is strategic though. Yeah, and because I wanted it to be, and I never promoted. So if you notice, I never promoted it. Um, I never put out ads or anything like that. Um, I never even put out pictures of the sweatshirts. The only pictures of the sweatshirts that have ever surfaced are people taking a picture in their sweatshirt themselves. The consumers did everything for you. It they did like, everything for me. Yeah. And that's what I wanted people to see is that if you if you make something that people really want, they'll do all of that for you. They'll share it with whomever. They'll have the conversations that you need to market it. And you don't have to do anything. And I think that you get a certain level of trust and a, a, a certain level of people willing to invest in what you're doing when you do it organically like that. Um, I think when you get all strategic and you got to do X, Y, and Z to launch something, I think that that turns people away because they just feel like you're just trying to sell them something. But that's not what I was trying to do. So just drop and move forward? Drop and move forward. I want to stay on that topic real quick because um, you had a what was that post pretty much kind of saying, you know, that's not a logo. Okay. Um, I've seen that post. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It went really far. I was surprised. But the thing is, I, when I first started doing this, we did Wayne. Um, Wayne is from... Wayne Friday. Yeah, okay. So yeah, my, my I got a, a special story for Wayne. Go, go ahead, ahead, tell me. Okay. No, go ahead, tell me the story, um, please. So years ago, right before I left Augusta, um, it was uh, 2006 through 2008-ish, um, I started a group. This is the whole thing about create opportunities for yourself. Uh, I had started a group called WCM. It was Walking Canvas Movement, and Wayne was a part of that group. Um, but basically what we did was we created our own experiences. Those people who were really into fashion, um, who wanted to either model or do fashion photography or who wanted to be designers, um, we created opportunities for you to do that here in the city because it was like we all had that passion and drive to do right. those things, but it was just like nothing happens here for us to actually execute on that. And so we created it. And so um, it was fun because we traveled. We did stuff with Paint College for their homecoming, which is has resurfaced again for me. Um, and then we did some stuff at Savannah State. We did some stuff with Clark Atlanta. Um, and that was it was fun because we were traveling. We were um, bringing models. There were models who were in that group who've gone off to be signed um, to Wilhelmina um, and, like, like big-name, you know, brands, Click and things like that um, from that group. We uh, we had pictures that we did. We did a photo shoot. Those made it to BET's website. Oh, wow. Like, all kinds of stuff that we did. But it was just us just doing what we loved and creating a space for us to do it and to be around like-minded people and create a community of people who really cared about, you know, fashion and, yeah. and art. Um, so yeah, I love Wayne. Wayne, I've seen him through, I've got pictures of him, you know, 
like Louis Vuitton out, you know. Now Wayne was cool, man. And he just brought... doing all kinds of stuff. But he loved, and that's a person that I can vouch for, and I can say, like, he loves what he does. He's passionate about what he does. He's quality means everything to him. Um, and he has invested a lot of time, a lot of energy into pursuing that dream. Um, and so, I, big shout outs to him because nah, uh, when you have people like that who you know they work hard and they're not dependent on people to just you know use that throw their name out there or throwing out other names of other things like you Bring have to respect that. Just putting them out yeah, there. you have to respect yeah. that because he really cares about his craft. And I, I pretty much like that whole conversation started with him. I was asking him, but I guess like. He didn't want to come off as he was dissing anybody as well. Yeah. So he didn't want to be like, say too much and somebody take the wrong way. But he pretty just said, well, what I do is such and such, such yeah. and such. Because everybody, you know, and, and that's the thing is that you don't want to step on toes. But at the same time, everybody isn't doing business right here in Augusta. And a new standard has to be set. It has to be set because otherwise you're going to get people who always feel like they're not being supported. And it's like, okay, why are you not really being supported? And that when you talk about that, not just, that's not a logo, like that's part of the reason why maybe your business ain't being supported because you haven't invested the time and energy and resources to building an actual brand. Right. Um, it's like things like that. The, the very fundamental things haven't been addressed with a lot of people running businesses here. The cartoon thing is okay because that's that can be represented as like a mascot logo. That's a style of logo. It is. It's a style of logo, yeah. and it's a it's a mascot. Or sometimes it could be a combination of a mascot and an emblem, right? Um, and those are logos. But um, I think that the level of detail sometimes applied to them is not reflective of a logo. It's reflective more of an illustration. So it's a it's a it's a line that kind of separates the two, um, and that that. that Post wasn't a bash to people who have those types of logos um, because some of those do work. Like we see uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Their logo is a mascot, which happens to be a man, Wendy's. Um, again, a, a girl, you know, this look. But those are executed properly where the details um, are very minimal um, and it translates well in all kinds of mediums. So, like, you see them got, you know, workers, the workers' T-shirts. You see it on, you know, their signs they post, their packaging. Um and I, I think sometimes when people do those types of logos, they don't they don't think about the repercussions of how they can execute it. If that makes sense. I've seen um, Lex comment on there, and Lex actually made my first logo. So okay, like yeah, it. Lex and I are really good friends. We've been friends since um, what? Uh, I went to Augusta University for a very brief second um, before I transferred out to Southern Poly, um, and so uh, I met him during that time period. And he was doing logos then; I was too, and yeah, we know. bounced a lot of stuff off of each other because it was just like. <clears throat> Um, it, one of those things where you just connect with like minds, people who are around you who do the same thing, and they they have that same level of care for it. So, you say like that's not a logo. Um, and I know you, you made a poll. Who won that poll? What won that poll? You had a poll for uh, doing a offer. was it a workshop? Yeah, a workshop. Yeah, and this one was that's not a logo brand identity design one on one for entrepreneurs. Uh, the second one was launching a t shirt brand from purpose to product. And then the third one they could have voted for was style your space to sell out. Vending display tips and tricks. Yeah. I plan to do all three workshops. Um, but the first one I'm going to do is that's not a logo. And that's going to happen on February 22nd. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that to me, like even the fact that everybody voted for that just kind of shows that everybody feel the same way. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of times, too, the reason why I wanted to do that workshop or reason why I even communicated that through the post initially is that um, a lot of times... Um, creators have to be more responsible 
right? And what I mean by that is that when you take on a client as a creative, you have to communicate with them. And I think a lot of times we get off as, I'm a creative, I can have my own process and I don't have to communicate with people. They just do what I say do and pay me for my work. And it's like, yo, that's not realistic because it's still a business. Right. right? Yeah, you still work, well, to a certain degree. But it's like, you know, there's a certain level of accountability that I think creatives need to take. And so when the client comes to you and they come to you for a logo design, there are certain things that need to be explained to them about what they're getting on what they're asking for. Um, a lot of people have gone and they started businesses and they, you know, they know like, oh, I got to get a logo because, you know, X, Y, and Z, but they don't really understand what that logo is going to do for them. And I think as a creative, it's your responsibility to explain those things. Um, so I just realized, you know, a lot of clients that I get, and um, I've been stepping away, I'm stepping away from logo design, but right. a lot of clients that I've gotten in the past come to me, they go through that questionnaire and stuff like that, and I realize like, yo, they have no idea what they're asking me for. Let's have a conversation. I've never strayed away from or um, shied away from having those conversations where people can understand. Like, I'm not trying to take your money. I'm trying to invest in what you're trying to build, right? But I, I feel like the the workshop will only do, I mean, to me, it's only going to do one thing. It'll make somebody that maybe that, that, that fall into that criteria just kind of look deep into what they're doing. Yeah. And it can enhance whatever they got going on. Exactly. Rather than yeah, and what I want, this. that's what I want. I want people, if you have a logo already and you feel like, Maybe something's missing from it or it's not doing what it's supposed to do for me or I just don't understand what it's supposed to do. Come to that workshop and we'll d address that. Um, if you're a person who, are, who was launching a business and you don't have a logo design yet um, and you want to know, like, what is it that I need to be looking for and the designer that I hire to do this? What do I need to expect from what they design for me? Then you're a perfect candidate for this workshop. And then if you're a designer who's been designing logos and you don't necessarily, I mean, maybe it's something that you didn't go to school for. It's just like a, you know, trade or something, a side hustle you've picked up, this is a workshop for you as well because you need to understand what you should be giving your clients. Okay, okay. So would a, um, can a saying be a logo? Because I know that's what happens a lot of times. They have a saying, they just slap on a shirt and start a selling it. A saying can be a logo? I think, um, so a, like a phrase can be yeah. a logo. It's called a type mark or a word mark. So that's like where it's just a set of words um, and you have you use that as the name of your business or whatever, and that's the logo you know, itself, um, that, that can be a thing. But, um, a lot of times when people do that, where they just have a type or a word mark, um, they don't take the time to get the licensing for the fonts they're using. Right. Cause you have to use a font to make that type of logo. And so if you're not designing that from scratch, like certain things that you need to know about that as well. But yeah, that can be. So, I mean, it's kind of safe and safe to say that even with you having the Augusta brand, like it didn't start out as being a brand you made it just for yourself, Yeah. but organically it just kind of happened for you yeah. that way. That's dope, though. But I also feel like even if you think about how you came up with that and the us and all that, and all that, like you did, you dug deeper. You know what I'm saying into why you why it's even spelled like that. Well, yeah, you know? like my everything I do has a purpose. Like I said before, like it's like if I if you see me launch anything, best believe I have a reason for why I did it, right? And it's gonna result in X, Y, and Z. There's a goal that I want to accomplish by doing that thing. Um, I don't just throw stuff out there just to throw stuff out there. Never done that. Never will do that. So even with you being a um, business model strategist, like um, how important is it for someone to have – should everybody, anybody that want to start a business, should they have a strategist first? Like should they come with it to yeah, that first? Yeah, because um, – okay, so like one of the misconceptions about starting a business is that you have to have a business plan, Right. People that people just think that last like that, I'm about to start a business. I got a business idea. I need a business plan. Business plans are not for every business. 
Um, a bit, and the reason why I said that is business plans can lay out things that are projections and forecasts, right? Right, right. And business plans are important, um, but they're only important for businesses that want funding from, like, say, a bank. Like, right, if you're looking for a loan or something like that, then you need to have a business plan because you have to pitch that plan to that particular company okay, for them to okay. invest in you. But if you're just starting a business and you're bootstrapping based off of, you know, and what I mean by bootstrapping is that you have money um, that you've invested or people, you know, friends, family, that kind of thing who have given you money so you, so you can start a thing and you're just going to, you know, as you go, you just get funding to, you know, from those yeah. family and friends and yourself to, to keep that thing going to get it started. Um, that's bootstrapping. And so if you're going to bootstrap, you don't need a business plan. You do need a plan, but not a business plan. Got you, got you. Um, now, the business plan that I put together for people who are bootstrapping is what I call a business model canvas. And basically what that does is it just lays out literally everything you need to know about what you're doing and how you're starting it. Um, and it's all one page. So, like, sometimes you hear people say it's a one-page business plan. Um, and that kind of concept came from a book I read. I read a lot of books. Um, there's a book called um, $100 Startup. Right. I encourage anybody who's interested in starting anything or if you have started anything to read that book because it lays out for you how you can start a business with one hundred dollars. And that's literally every project I've ever launched started with less than one hundred dollars. I live by that that model. That's what kind of laid foundation for how I do business, that book. Um, And so when I launched sweatshirts, I spent, I think. Sixty seven dollars and 14 cents to launch the brand to launch it. So. But how, how much did you pay you made the first sweatshirt? First sweatshirt. So that's what I'm saying. So, like, in order for me to make the first sweatshirt to do all the little branding stuff that I did to get everything going, I only spent $67.14. Mm. Um, and I and I, I firmly believe when you're bootstrapping, you're doing those types of businesses, you shouldn't have to spend more than $100. And if you do, you're not being strategic enough. Right? And so how I do that is... Um, you know, it's it just laying out a strategy where, you know, I personally, for me, how I run business, I never spend a dollar before I make a dollar. Right. OK. Um, after that hundred. So like after I've invested a hundred or less into it, I don't when I do anything else from that point, I'm not spending anything until I've made anything. And the way that I can do that is when I did the sweatshirts. Right. I did a pre order. Right. You paid for your sweatshirt and then you received it at the date where I sent them out. So anybody who bought that sweatshirt, I think I gave like a two-week time period, if that, like a week time period for you to purchase the sweatshirt. Yeah. I took those funds from them paying for the sweatshirt, and then I went and bought all the resources that I needed. But I couldn't do that until I knew what it cost for me to make everything. Right? Hold on. Hold on. Okay, time out. Time <laughs> out. You made this every sweatshirt yourself? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. You just, yeah. you, you just sat there and made them. I mean, well, so how I did it was... Um, I outsourced, let's see, so there was this, it was the sweatshirt itself, right? And then there was the uh, embroidery on a sweatshirt. Right. There was uh, the hang tags. I think that was it. So, yeah, so, like, for the sweatshirt itself, I outsourced that. So I, I got a manufacturer, they made that sweatshirt for me. Shipped those sweatshirts for me. We did the embroidery across the front of it. So I cut, literally cut the letters out, laser cutter, um, laid out all the fabric into the laser cutter, cut all the letters out. Then we embroidered the letters. Um, and then I actually, physically, the hang tag that's on your shirt, I made that with my oh, hands. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I, but that's a lot I, of work, but that's good. That's, that's what's <laughs> and up. And that's why, that was part of the reason, too, why I only did 50. Yeah. yeah. Because I wanted to make sure that every sweatshirt was properly made. It was no, you know, like, quality matters to me. So, um, so yeah, that was a part of that, too. But going forward, are you going to, now that 
everybody know about the brand, would you do 100 or are you still going to do 50? Uh, it just depends on what it is. Because when I did the t-shirts, the t-shirts were different. I did the t-shirts. The only reason I ended up making t-shirts was because everybody kept hitting me up about the sweatshirts. Right, right, right. And I was like, I'm not doing anymore. So I released the three t-shirts. It was the white, the gray, and the black on black. I released those, and I did a hundred of those. Okay. Um. Yeah, and then people started asking me. So every, everything was driven by consumer ask. So, like, the next thing people were asking, like, I want to do a photo shoot with my kids, but they don't have a shirt. Can you make kid shirts? So then I did uh, kids' tees and onesies, um, and I released that. And then people were still hitting me up about that darn sweatshirt. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, let me do three, uh, I think I did, no, it was five, five colors of the sweatshirt. I released that. Um, 50 um, of each one? 50 of each one of the sweatshirts. Um, and then over the summer, I did like a summer collection where I had some different colors of t-shirts with the Gasona, and I released that during the summer. So it was just like little spurts where I just like, okay, I'm tired of people asking this question. Let me figure out how I can do this. Okay, let me do that. All right, there it is. When is when the sweatshirt coming back? Uh, I don't Maybe know. season almost over. So yeah, it's, it's got to yeah, it's gotta be. So maybe it'll come back in like September, October. Okay. Yep. Um, but I think, so this last one I did uh, sweatshirts that came, they, yeah, it was around October, November. When I did these, it was the burgundy, the olive green, like kind of like my jacket. Um, there was a cream color. There was a black on black. And then there was something else. Oh, it was a gray with a cream, uh, cream letters. So, um, so yeah, I threw those out there and, um, that color wave was recepted really well. So I don't, I don't know what color wave I'll do for next, yeah. next fall, but it'll be something cool. This, this is kind of off topic, but, um, I now listen to you talking all the stuff you do. I know you mentioned, um, like dating earlier, like, do you feel like, or if you have ran into that, that you're, you seem like a dominant person. Do you feel like that? I seem like a dominant person. Yeah, you do. No, nah. no, when I say dominant, that's how I know this like a while. Now I'm talking about like, like when you when you want this done, it's gonna get done. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I just, I just say militant. I'm gonna just say that. That okay, makes yeah. more sense. That's a better word. Um, do you feel like that uh, intimidates men from wanting to talk I to you? I have actually heard that I can be intimidating, but I don't think it's and on your drive. Level like of... you got a you got a certain kind of drive, so. Yeah. That man probably either has to match that drive or or, or or exceed it, and it's gonna be hard to exceed that drive. Even talking to you, like I'm pretty sure Slim would say the same thing. Like you could, me and him work a lot, but I could tell like people I talk to, you seem like you do just as much as, as we do, or if more, if not more. She's super organized, and she's a mom. Like it's, no, it's like it's all this stuff. Me out, dog. No, for real. Like she go to Starbucks to do work. Like that's like I can't even eat food half the time. Really? At, at, I, at restaurants. See, okay, oh, nah, so that's where I meet. Let's talk about that for, before we address the dating. Let's let's address the um the living as a creative or a person that has like a lot of drive right so because i was raised in the environment my my parents let me be who i am freely Mm -hmm. i developed skills over a course of time that helped me to organize myself because i wasn't always organized it it didn't happen till when i reached about maybe nine or ten that's when i started figuring out like i gotta figure out a way to maintain this because otherwise i'm gonna be all over the place so my mom went she said nine or ten like (laughs) yeah I mean, well, last that, week but, that, <laughs> but I've always been doing that like I've always had the freedom and liberty and I don't take that for granted either because I realized some people didn't have that experience right, right. right but but that's the kind of experience I had so my mom took me to Walmart bought me a notebook and I've always kept 
a notebook. And in my notebook, it lays out literally everything I need to do. So, like, I... Yeah, good handwriting, too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but I, I write out everything, and I think that frees up my mental space, right? I don't know if you're, like, the kind of creative I am, but my... My mind can go be a million miles a yeah. minute, right? I got all these ideas and everything is going, but I've learned how I can release that for myself by writing things down, right? And then once I write down a thing, like, so like I, I'll write down like a goal, right? And then I'll break that goal down into every step I need to take that I know of to get to that goal, right? And then I'll prioritize like those steps and give myself a timeline on how much time I got to get it done. And so that's kind of how I lay out things. And I do that with my everyday, too. I call it time budgeting. And maybe I need to teach a class on this. Yeah, but I, I'm about to say, you need to be a teacher. Like, you need to teach this stuff. A lot of people need that. Like, me personally, I'm the opposite of that. I can't do that. Like, man, I don't know yeah. if you do it, but um, do you write down your topics and your questions and stuff? Only if I'm, I'm, I'm lurking on a person. I know I'm going to have a podcast at some Whenever point. Whenever I write questions and topics yeah. down, I never follow them. Really? Like, if I, like you never. know, all the ones we did so far, I didn't have that written down. But, like, somebody like her, we spoke. Months ago, months and months and months, yes, ago. months ago, and um, since then I had just been jotting stuff down like yeah. I screenshot stuff, all that stuff is in my notes, so then I do that if I'm lurking. But cause somebody hit me up on Saturday, Sunday saying it meet me Wednesday, no, I don't, yeah. But I think too, like you have to know how you like you can't adopt somebody else's stuff, right? You have to know enough about yourself to apply some level of organization to you. So if you know that I can't write down topics and follow those, then don't write down topics and try to follow those. You spend your time organizing in some other type of way that's going to be beneficial to you. You know what I mean? And in time budgeting, like sometimes people talk about like time management. And the reason why I don't call it that is because time management makes you feel like, I have to be doing X, Y, and Z, and this has to get done today. Yeah. If it doesn't get done today, then no. I make a list for myself for the week. I might make one for the month, and I might say, in this month, I want to get all of this done. And I don't know what days I'm going to do it or whatever when I say, say that, but I just know it's going to get done in that month. And then as weeks go by, I refer back to what I want for the month, and I'm like, okay, this week, I probably got time to do that. Let me put this on this week. Oh, this week, I got time for that. And then when I get to days, I'm like, okay, this week, I have to do this, so let me do this on this day and just kind of break it down from there so that it's not overwhelming to you. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe. I but I was saying that I mean, everything for everybody, but I do think you should like she yeah, write that down too. Down. <laughs> and she gonna write the steps down to how she need to become a teacher. No, yeah. that oh, my mom dope. is like that too. That's probably why I, I always like freaked out with people being super organized. Yeah, but I think, but I just know for me, if I don't write it down, it's just gonna sit, and then I might forget about it, right? Or it just might overwhelm something else. Like every night before I go to bed, I write down another list of what I need to do tomorrow if I didn't get it done the day before, and it's just like I have to do that because otherwise I can't lay down and rest because I'm thinking about what I need to do. So, I don't know. For me, it's just like a release, a, se- a sense of freedom from thought yeah. that I just have to write it down. If I was saying, so like, I wonder, like, like even, like, I know you're talking about the dating thing, but I wonder, like, should it be another creator? Like, I want because I feel like somebody has to, you know, have to match all that. Like, it's going to be, it's going to seem, oh, it's going to be weird. So, oh, okay, so I'll be honest. Like, really, not that I haven't been honest this whole time, but I'm going to be extra honest. <laughs> I'm honest now, right now, guys. <laughs> now I'm going to be honest. I wasn't 11, but I'm a 10. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the last relationship I was in, we broke up over that. Right, right now, too much stuff. Y'all argue, so writing it down. We, uh, <laughs> no, I'm we mad. Up, this is why I'm mad. No, we broke up over the Talking the point. ambition, mm. the the not matching ambition. Okay, uh, that was why we broke up. So it was like, 
you know, um, sometimes people can't appear to be very supportive of your drive and your ambition and like how goal oriented you are. Um, and so that's what I felt like. I think I felt like he was really supportive of that. But then as time progressed, I learned that like through not not through conversation, but just in his actions, that he wasn't as supportive as he had led me to believe. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because like. I'm the type of person where, you know, if I've budgeted out this amount of time, I say two hours for me to do this. That's what I'm going to do in that two hours. And you might come to me, and if it's not a life or death, like what your parents say, if I don't see blood, like like I'm not going to stop what I have for those two hours unless I see blood. So it's just like, yeah. So, and I think that um, he just didn't understand, like, you know, if I say I'm going to be doing something, that's what I'm going to be doing. Like, people like parts and pieces of you when it's applied in certain ways, but then they don't like it when it's applied in other ways. And so I started to catch on to that, and I just realized... Yeah, just start catching on to like, okay, yeah, he's he might not be as supportive as I thought he I'm was. I'm glad you said that too, because I was going to ask you this question. I have uh, I have this kind of theory or this thing where it's like, I don't think I can even talk to somebody, like be dating, talk, whatever whatever you want to call it, to someone who doesn't support what I'm doing. Like, no, you and can't. I hate to put that pressure on somebody, but it's like, I have to feel like you're my number one fan. Like, yeah. it, 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 I can't be with somebody and it's... This random woman over here is like a bigger fan than you. And you it's know? like, who, I don't want to resent anybody, yeah, right? You don't want to yeah. resent anybody. But at the same time, you don't want to give up your goals and your purpose for nobody either. And I never want to force nothing on somebody. So yeah, you like, don't, you don't want to do that. Everything can be right, but if that's not right, I'm not going to feel whole with you anyway. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. It's never going to be a satisfying relationship. Not that all relationships are satisfying in every moment, but I think that there is a... There is a certain level of a balance that you can request and require from a person entering a relationship, any type of relationship, whether it's friendship, you know, a romantic relationship, uh, you know, father and child, mother and child. Like when you enter into any type of relationship, there are a certain level of things that you can require. And it's just like those are one of those things you require. You're not going to make me feel bad about that. Like you got to be supportive. Like a long-term friend and, and the first time you started your business, they didn't share it. Would you cut them off for that? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, and that only reason I say that, and we, we talked more. about this. <laughs> okay, so here's this is the thing about that, right? You have to define what support looks like. If you never define okay. for a person mm, what support like looks this. like, you cannot hold them accountable for it. So here's the thing. If I launch a business, I'm not my expectation that your support isn't you sharing or liking something that I posted. I only want you to share and like because you share, you want to share and you like it. Yeah. And anybody who's ever known me can always say that I have never asked them to share or like or support or buy isn't that corny? anything. When people I DM think, you and be like, well, it's not even this? just corny. I think yes. that it's it's not. <laughs> you being confident in what you've created right 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 because if if i know my audience i know what to say and what not to say and how to do a thing so that when i put it out there they receive it and i don't have to ask anybody to boost that like you know what i mean like you don't have to ask anybody to kind of push that for for you and i think if if a person comes to you and requests that you should question them right mm. you should question them because it's like that's not the level of support you should want now if it's something that i love and like again i'll share it i like it i love it um, I'll buy it, whatever I need to do. But I don't want you to ever feel like I'm forcing you to do that. Or just because you're my friend, you have to. Right, Never ask right, anybody right, right. to do that. Um, but I think, too, um, when you you put a label on that, when you launch a business, you should go to family and friends and say, hey, I'm launching this thing and I really want you to support me and this is what support looks like for me. Yes, you can share what I post. You can you know, like my things. You can buy my things. Or you can help me buy supplies to make those things. Right, or right. you can... Um, 
you know, uh, whatever it is that support looks like, you should articulate that. If it's like, I don't want you to buy anything, but can you loan me like a couple, you know, $100 or something like that? Like, whatever it is, you have to articulate that because you can't just have the expectation that when I launch a thing, people are going to support me in the way I think they should. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's important to me because I've seen where people get upset with their family because of that. But this is the thing. They didn't, they never said, and who's do to this say or your family is even your customer. That's right? right. That's right. Like if I, perfect example, I launch a, uh, a brand, Augusta. I can't expect my family in Florida or in Tennessee to buy yeah. that. I can't expect that. What, that doesn't even make sense. Why would they rock a star? Unless they, now I have had cousins who reach out to me like, hey, I want that. And I'm like, yo, you don't even, I'm telling them, yo, you don't even live in Augusta. And they're like, I don't care. It's something that you did. I want it. That's dope. So, you know what I mean? Like, and that's that, support. but they have that, that's that, that's how they see supporting me. And I receive that, but I'm not telling you to do that. But like, even I had a friend, I have a friend who, um, like, like she had to leave her job and stuff. She just going to school, and I remember she was complaining, just saying like, "You think anybody said, uh, does such and such need this? Do I need that?" And it's like, but when you made the decision, did you ask them before? Yeah. Like you just made the decision and assume they're gonna have, help you out. You have to have conversations with people. Exactly. You, you can't expect people to do what you want them to do or to do what you think you would do. Exactly. Like you can't. You can't live like that because you will always be frustrated and uh, disappointed by people. Like your expectations are skewed. You should definitely articulate what you want. All right, the last thing. All right, so uh, what I want to do now is I got a list of hashtags that you post, and I want you to kind of tell me what it meant. Or, oh, you know. okay. Tell, tell you what it's you not a long hashtags. list, so. Okay. The first one, hashtag Augusta supports its own. Okay. Uh, so that hashtag, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, that hashtag is just affirming the fact that if I'm from the city of Augusta, there are people who support anything that I'm willing to put out as long as I'm putting out things that are quality, right? My expectation is that I'm, I'm putting out something that you want and you enjoy and you love. And I know that if I do that, you'll support that thing, whatever that looks like. Um, because people feel like if I launch a business, ain't nobody going to do this. Ain't nobody going to show up. Ain't nobody going to pay for it. But that's not necessarily true. I proved that wrong numerous times. Mm, I like that. I like that. Okay. Hashtag, if not us, then who? Uh, so that one was um, kind of targeted at people for from Augusta, right? We always talk about we want this to be better. We want these opportunities. We want this to exist. Um, but if you want those things, get with the people who are like-minded, who want those same things, and make it happen. Like You can't always just sit back expecting things to happen and not do anything. You have to be willing to do it. So if not us, then who? I like that. I mean, you, you, you answered the question very well. I've been having some good guests this year. It's been a good year. <laughs> yeah, but I ain't gonna it's lie. It's a good year. It's a good You're year. Starting the year off good. I'm gonna say this too. You mentioned something earlier about you know, you know, working with creators and just it's your baby. One thing I can say is work, I work with Slim. You know, what I'm saying this is somebody that when he when he started his own thing, we kind of linked up together. We spoke and everything, and um, I just took a game. I was like, well, let's let's work it together. You know, what I'm saying it's been going good for me so far. So yeah. I appreciate you. Also, I want to say that. You know, so you got to do that too. If not, that's the who. You know yeah. <laughs> I actually sent Maine a, a, a sensitive text the other day, and I was yeah, like, he's probably going to text me back and be like, nigga, you gay. Nah, <laughs> it was kind of wild, but my, I was having a rough day, First, so it was see, good. It was cool. Yeah. That's that right there. Oh, I didn't even talk about this at all. So, oh gosh, I don't want to. No, go ahead. Your hash, okay. So, one of the things that I've started doing is I just finished illustrating my first book. 
Uh, it's a published book, so I'm a, so I'm a published illustrator. She's an author too, guys. Yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so my uh, the first book I just finished up um, is dedicated to kids who grow up in a home where their um, it's their parents were together, their parents have split, um, and they kind of bounce back from home to home. Mm-hmm. That's what the first book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it stars um, a little black boy named AJ. Um, it was written by um, Andrea Evans, and I illustrated the book for her. But I'm about to start working on some books of my own um, that has a character of my own. And um, one of the things that we're going to deal with, which was what sparked that for me to remember, is um, emotional intelligence, right? How... Um, what your types of emotions and feelings are and how you can articulate those things and not feel like you're X, Y, and Z for saying it, right? Ah. So when you said, you know, you sent him an emotional text message and you felt like he was going to respond in that way, that's a problem. And Yeah, my emotional intelligence is like a 60. But yeah, but that's, that's the thing, <laughs> is that we're not training our boys and girls to understand their emotions and understand that it doesn't make you X, Y, and Z if you feel or you want to articulate something about your feelings or your emotions. Um, so that's why I wanted to, to say something about that because oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm definitely right. I'm writing I'm working on a book now for that, and I I think it's just really important because you shouldn't feel like somebody's gonna say oh you gay if you you know what I'm saying if yeah, you yeah. that I yeah. care about you and I feel a certain way or I'm thankful for who you are. There's nothing wrong with that, yeah. and we should do more of that within our community and not feel a way about it. I think a lot of times a lot of the conversations we need to have don't happen because you're afraid of how people will receive you just expressing exactly. yourself. And that's a problem. I just want to throw it out there. I didn't say he was gay either. No, 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 no. No, no, I know. No, we're not saying that. But but no, no, no. But but it's just the fact that you can feel that way. Or like, just like simple things are like not wanting to hug people or like do do certain things that just show that you just care about them, right? And you just like hesitant about doing it or you just don't do it at all. Um, because you're afraid of whatever stigma is attached to it, so that's, no, that's definitely exactly, something that's definitely conversation need to be had. You're yeah. right, yeah. man. I'm pretty sure me and can agree that we probably both have done that. We didn't say what we feel, whether it's another woman or whatever it can be. Um, and you, there's a problem. You're right. Yeah. And she's it right. It's kind of about like how you grew up. Yeah, yeah. because one of the worst things you can tell a little black boy is don't cry. Don't yeah. don't cry again, man yeah. up. I ain't no girl. Like, like that. yeah, like so you already grew up thinking horrible. that only women can be emotional. Yeah. I always say that. That's why I, I like. I feel like when I was young, I would cry. Like they was always trips. I don't. I don't. I haven't cried like I'm yeah. 15, 30. And that's crying is one of the best things you can do because it's a release. It's like even sometimes if you don't even know why you're crying, like it's just you're releasing those things from outside of you. And I think. Yeah, I, I've always looked at crying as very important because I think in the in the Bible, I'm going to pull a Bible verse on y'all, but um, in the Bible it talks about God collecting your tears. He cares that much about what's going on with you, so he collects your tears and keeps holding them, and they have names for why you why they were shed. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, that's important. It's valuable. It, it means something. It's doing something for you mentally, spiritually, emotionally when you do. So to tell people that they can't do that, that's crazy. I'm just happy. Like, now, I think now in like today's world, People are more hip to that now, so they're they're, they're saying that like don't don't tell boys that or they let yeah. boys be. Let but boys it, it be needs to be now. like it needs to be a real. And I think too like in that whole movement of like telling people that they can do those things, like not just tell them they can, but ex- talk to them about like why they're doing it, and then afterwards like having conversations about okay what happened, what made you, and articulate. I think that's one of the miss. Um, one of the missed opportunities for girls, right? Because we're allowed to cry, but then we're allowed to, you know, have those emotions and stuff like that. But who's having conversations with the girl afterwards to say, okay, what made you cry? 
What made you feel that way? Yeah, now yeah. it's about controlling those emotions. And and controlling them, right? Because we got too many women running around here just thinking that they can just fly and do whatever they want to because they're emotional in that moment and not processing those emotions properly. Yeah, that's kind of what you're right, though. Women, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're allowed to have those emotions, they, they but nobody's telling like, well, you, you know okay, crazy. how to get control of <laughs> those and, things. And we definitely need to fix the self-centeredness when it comes to women. That's my biggest topic. Self-centeredness? <laughs> explain. Yes, Please explain. That. I feel like most women are very self-centered and they just cannot see outside of their little box yeah like excuse me most humans are like that period but more, more so, so than women. women yeah I, I, I can totally see that and i think um some uh okay so i've i've been uh, talking to a guy and i actually i uh we, we have a really good relationship and um we were talking about an incident where something happened and he um one of the best things you can have about a, a friend or whomever you deal with is somebody who can correct you right yeah. and tell you when you was wrong and so uh, I had something happen, and we were just talking about a story, something that happened. And um, and I told him what I did, and, he, and I think I might have, I don't know how it went, but um, the whole thing that was important, to, the takeaway from it was that um, he was saying, like, you know, a lot of times a girl will hit you up and be like, you know, how you doing or what's going on with you today or expecting you to do that for them, but they don't really care about what's really going on with you. Um, and so it was like, yo, that kind of hit me in a way because it's like, okay, your, your expectations is that you want this man to care about your day, care about what's going on with you. But have you really asked him what's going on with him? Mm. Have you really cared enough about and to listen to, you know, like what's, what's going on? What's your problems? What, you know, um, it, whatever. It's just, just like we, we can be very self-centered sometimes and only think that everything is about us. But I think that's a part of what I call the Disney complex. I said that too. <laughs> Growing up looking at Cinderella and stuff, and that I you're think supposed to that, find that, that, that frog. Yeah. Was that Cinderella? Uh, nah, no, that that, you mix uh, it like, uh, what is I, it? I've I, I never seen any the of them. The prince so. and the frog. And yeah, the, I've never seen but any of them. all of them so, have the know. same horrible storyline, which is that a woman is supposed to spend her time looking for somebody who's going to give her what she wants instead of her going out and getting it for herself mm. so yeah. yeah I think but that that's the mentality that we're bred with so it's just like all those things be important to us as kids and so when we grow up that's our expectation but I'm nobody's ever addressing some, it um, I don't know if I should be talking about this on the podcast <laughs> but I'm gonna talk about it anyway <laughs> I had someone hit me up this week um, her she's throwing a farewell uh, party for her boyfriend and she's gonna propose to him since she wanted some picture shot Jesus Christ um what you don't do it. You consider. I seen somebody propose. I seen a woman propose to a man at a at a basketball game last night. So, uh, what you think about that? Oh, that's okay. tough. I'm a very opinionated person. I'm gonna leave with that. Um, but I'm also I'm also a person who believes in structure and uh, believes in like a hierarchy system when it comes to humanity. And in that hierarchy system, um, men are take they're they're the leaders, yeah. right? They 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 had start a lot of things. And so one of those things I believe should be like a marriage, a, that type of commitment that you make with another individual. Um, and I think that, I think that any woman that does that, any woman who proposes to a man will spend a lot of her time, unfortunately, will spend a lot of her time wondering if that's really what he wants. And the reason why is because he didn't ask for it. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like you, you're putting yourself in a position to spend a lot of time wondering, and that's how women are. We we overthink, overanalyze everything, and I think that one yeah. of the reasons why that's that standard has always been set for a man to ask a woman 
for her hand in marriage is because that eliminates so many issues or things that we should have to ever, ever think doubts. about. Right, yeah, yeah, to ever think about. Um, and I think that's just in our, like how we're wired as men versus women, it's just, it, it's so damaging to do something like that. I, I'll be embarrassed if a woman asks to marry me. You know, yeah, me and, too. I, and that's the thing too. Like, <laughs> me too. How, like you don't I, respect me as a man? <laughs> I, and I would never want a man to propose to me or a woman to propose to a man if you haven't had conversations. And if and nine times out of ten, I'm sure these women proposing to men haven't asked them, hey, how would you feel if I proposed to you? Because I don't know no man, not a man that I want, who would tell me, hey, baby, that's okay. Yeah, yeah yes. go ahead and go get I that I say ring. it jokingly. I'll be like, yeah, you know, uh, you should be lucky to have me. Yes. I, say I mean, but that, but that ain't but a lie. Serious, a woman like, nah, should be lucky to have you. But at the like same that. time, like, <laughs> a proposing I to just, me? Like, I know it felt messed up. I just feel like getting women, on your knee. Women, like, women be ready before men sometimes to when it comes to that life. Sometimes yeah. when it comes to like spending a life with somebody. Yeah. So I, to I ask that. the man is like, you don't know if you're ready yet. You know yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're gonna spend your whole time. Which a man don't normally ask because when they're ready. They'll go ahead and do it. Yep. Like it, it's no reason for that. There's a lot of things that can switch. Like you talking Southern Red, all that stuff that can switch. But that part, I, I don't, I, I don't agree with. I think that that shouldn't change yeah. at all. I don't that's think something that that's like stapled change. in life. Like yeah. the man needs to ask. And maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm, oh, I got an old mentality, or I'm not too, I'm too tradi- traditional. But I just feel like that's one of those things where I would never. Yeah, it's weird. I would never. But can you imagine telling your kids that story? Like, how, how y'all got married? Well, well I, I got out on me. I wasn't ready, but you know, your mom went ahead and rushed hey, me, so. Hey. She um, forced me. She tricked me. So, she tricked you. She tricked me. That is how relationships start most of the time, though. Whoa. Wait, who's starting relationships like that? I mean, sometimes it's like, so you get the text after y'all just had a good night, and it's always, so what are we? I'm a different breed of woman. I'm going to just say that because that don't ever come from me. It's people who probably hate my guts because I don't do stuff like that. But it's just like, yo, for what? Like, I, <laughs> What's your sign? Huh? I'm an Aquarius. Okay. My birthday is on Thursday. Oh, okay. That's what's up. Oh, I ain't know you was a definitely Zodiac, put, man. Definitely got to put a clip out on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go to the other, the other hashtag. Uh, hashtag... Be the change. Oh, that's just like about, you know, again, you can sit back and complain about what things are or aren't. Um, but if you want something to change, you have to be that change that you want to see. I think it's somebody's quote is that be the be the change you want to see or something like that. I don't know. It's somebody's branding a slogan or something. But yeah. Hashtag being is doing. Uh, okay. So being is doing is like what I live my life by. Um, I think there are tons of things that I'm skilled at and that I want to have an opportunity to do. Um, and I've always felt like if, you know, say you want to, say you want to be a photographer, well, you got to take photos, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to, you want to be a model, you got to put on clothes and you got to walk. Like you can always sit back and say what you want to do, but if you're not doing the action, then you're never going to become the thing. Mm. So. Okay. I like that. I feel like every hashtag you got got a meaning to it. So everything I, I, you do I has told a you everything has. <laughs> All of it's strategic. But I don't think she does anything during the day that's like, I don't know why I did that. No. All right. Uh, hashtag, it's the last one. Hashtag, faith with works. Mm. That's along the lines of being doing, but more from a biblical standpoint. So it's like you can believe in a thing. You can pray on a thing. You can meditate on a thing. Um, but if you don't ever put work to it, put action behind it, it's never going to come to fruition. Um 
one of the things about faith what works is that a lot of times there's a misconception misconception that um you know god is gonna do all of these things for you but a lot of times god is waiting on us for do it to do a thing so that he can do it for uh, us okay. um so that's what that, that was sounds about. familiar don't it yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, way, y'all had to, somebody preach to y'all? Nah, <laughs> I posted, I shared something on Facebook, and it was something like, have you ever been broke and God looked out for you and got you out of that? And I reposted it and said, hell nah, man, thought it was funny as hell. <laughs> it's, I thought it was funny like this, because the, I know a lot of church people follow him, and I feel like he do stuff to piss them off some days. Well, th- this is the thing, like, um, <laughs> the best analogy I have is like, okay, imagine you riding down a road, right, and your um, your tire goes flat. Right, you pull over on the side of the road and you don't know how to change a tire, so you like, okay, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Now you got two options. You can, or I guess three. You can sit in the car and just worry about it and figure out, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. You can get out and you can try to change the tire, or you can call somebody to come change the tire for you. Right? Those are three options that you got. Now, if the, the last one, if you ain't got insurance, so you probably yeah, riding right. dirty and can't nobody come and, and change the tire for you, then you only got two options. Now, the, the less likelihood of you getting what you need if you don't know how to change that tire is if you sit in the car, cars are going to continue to pass you. Yeah. They're going to continue to pass you because they don't know why you're off on the side of the road, what you're trying to do. They don't know what your situation is. But if you get out of the car and you start to try to change it for yourself, or you look at it, or you start pulling out the tools that you do have, and you know that if I got these out, somebody will, somebody's going to stop, and they're going to assist you. But they don't know to stop and assist you unless you start doing yeah. the thing. And I think that's what a lot of us forget. It's like you got all these ideas, all this stuff going on in the inside of you, but you're not doing anything. So there's nobody to assist in anything if you're not doing nothing. Right? There's nothing to assist. Prayer but the without moment without actions. Yeah. But the That's moment the you get out there and doing what you can with what you have, then somebody's gonna stop and help you. And you're gonna get everything you need along the way so that you can get the thing done. So like that's that's the faith what works. It's like you you have to understand that concept. You get more along the way than you ever do up front with anything. I mean, that makes sense. You know. I just I, I just like the fact that you always have your hashtag. Everything you post has got like you know, the L and L and then I thought it just I think it's just dope. Everything you do is like from a branding standpoint, even the Facebook post, anything you do you wearing, to that you came here, you got the shirt on. I think that's weird people come here and they got a brand, they don't have it on. I'd be like, Well <laughs> Well what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? It just don't make no sense. But um this was dope, man. I I, I feel like I learned a lot, you know, I, and I feel like people that's watching are gonna learn a lot. Um cool. And then I feel like people are gonna get to know who you are. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I, I want people to know that like, I think sometimes in people's minds, like I'm not like a human being. <laughs> you do so many things. They're like, no, nah, I can't be possible. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I, I want to do more things like this so that people can get a feel for who I am and know that I'm just like anybody else. I'm Well, I think the first time I seen you seen you you was on Mo Podcast actually. And I thought that was dope too because um it was Mo, you and two other people. And even in then, you, I mean, not to diss anybody. No, it was there, Mo, it was Shay. Shay, I'm sorry, I do, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, it was Shay. Shay. And even in then, um, it was just you can see the difference in everybody at the table. You know, what I'm saying like you just knew a little, a lot more, you know, about certain things. Like even how you spoke and how you, it's like, almost like you carried the podcast at that point. I was telling Shay that, and I was like, that's good. Well, you got how you need to have on again. <laughs> and I thought it was dope. Nah, for real, like because she was, you know, how you could tell a different like. You hear you it's got two other like business, people, uh, business people on here, but he and she is saying, I feel like they were learning from her, which is good, though. But I feel like they were learning more from you. Yeah. And it was dope. So lots of I kind of knew already from you because I, I listened to when y'all was talking and all that stuff. So it was just yeah. dope. 
But even then, like, you know, she she didn't do um video or anything. She just yeah, did Yeah, and that was the audio. thing. The, the two podcasts that I did previous to this one, neither of them did video. So that's why I thought this one was really cool to do because it was actually a video attached I to it. I always do. I always put out snippets anyway. But like I said, I wanted to try, try something new this year. And the goal was just to do only videos on the podcast that I felt like were going to be, like, feature podcast for the month. But what happened was... um. I mean, we just started doing it every week, and then yeah. I feel like it's kind of pointless now to not do that. Yeah, you yeah. Might I think well it's cool. Over. I think uh, yeah, it is. I, I, I like it because it makes it so much different from the other podcasts. And it, it keep me having footage for people, so like I could always put something out some like months down the line. I just put a video right. of Ken last 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 December about black politicians, and it, it helped because at the time with some black politician running, you just get the key footage, and you could just always go with the time. Like, so it's just dope. I was yeah. talking to him last night. Yeah, Ken is, Ken is amazing, man. Yeah. But um, this was dope, man. You know what I'm saying? Anything you want to say to people? Give me your... You got any Twitter? I don't know if you got any social. Uh, I am on Facebook. You can find me Latasha N. Lewis. Um, it's L-O-U-I-S. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram. It's Lou, L-O-U, and then it's L-N-L-C-O. Um, but yeah, you can find me on either one of those. Um, and then my website, of course, which is www.verbatim, V-E-R-B-A-T-I-M, lnl.co um, but yeah that's where I can be found um, that's dope man I'm just happy to be able to tell you about you exist she's a real person you know what I'm saying yeah she is you know what I'm saying right. so. face behind the brain because I never have pictures and stuff up really so people don't hey, know yeah. alright man more than masters podcast we out thank you once again <laughs>